My discussion today is about AIDS, kids who labor without getting paid. If you know in advance how you want them to dance, sign them up, sally forth unafraid. My very first year of teaching, I inherited a student aide. She had signed up to be an aide for the teacher whom I replaced, and I, of course, had never seen her in my life, nor did I have any idea what to do with her. I don't remember her name. I'll call her Alicia. I think every morning she would come in and greet me with a smile and say, anything for me to do today? And I would say, uh, uh, no, no, I, I think I've got everything I need to have done, done, thanks, Alicia. And she would smile and retreat to her corner and sit there in silence. This was before the days of cell phones, so she whiled away her time reading fantasy novels, I think. But the truth was, I was terrified of Alicia. I thought that since she was a student aide, and therefore had seen this class taught before by a competent teacher, she was sure to notice every time I was confused or uncertain or, God forbid, wrong, and she would judge me. I didn't know how to put her skills to use, mainly because first, I didn't know what skills she had, nor did I ever bother to find out, nor did I know exactly what I needed an aid to do. Now, I had that year three sections, 90-minute blocks of English one, over a hundred freshmen who were generating mountains of paper. My students did so much work every day because I assigned it due in class, desperate to keep them busy lest they discover that I wasn't competent. I wanted them to get their money's worth of their education or something. So I would diligently assign writing assignment after writing assignment and exercise after exercise. And they would dutifully complete these or make a half-hearted effort to complete them and put them in the baskets. And then it became my job to grade them and respond to them and record them and return them a hundred-something students generate an awful lot of papers. And as a first-year teacher, one thing I did not have was an awful lot of time to deal with them. What I did to fight this mountain of papers was enlist the help of not my aide, whom I didn't know and didn't trust, but my siblings, I still had four siblings at that point who lived at home with my parents in a town a hundred miles away from where I taught. And that is where I would go to do laundry every other weekend or so. I would load up my laundry and I would load up my in baskets and I would make the trek through the canyon to my parents' house and I would sit siblings around the kitchen table and decree exactly what they needed to do, and they would slave for an hour or two with me as we fought our way through reading and responding to and recording and then returning all of those papers. 
Why did I trust my siblings when I didn't trust Alicia? First, I knew them. I knew their intelligence, their duty, their honesty, their responsibility, and I knew they would do what I told them. They were sufficiently terrified of me that they would not try to pull any pranks with these sacrosanct student records. And they didn't know my students. So their sniggerings at strange responses or their balking at bad handwriting or their confusion over what a student had meant never would go any farther than the two of us. Those siblings of mine made survival of my first year possible for me as I labored under the delusion that it was my bounden duty to read, respond, record, and return every single piece of paper that every single student generated. I will leave for another time the discussion of what exactly a teacher's bounden duty is to each piece of paper every student generates and talk about aides specifically and their ability to alleviate a huge percentage of the drudgery of a teacher's job. It took me several years to figure out a system that worked well for me and I highly advocate <laughs> your emulation of that system. I have several pointers for you and suggestions about whether, when, and whom you should select as student aides in your class. So first, whether you should have aides. I do not know what the culture of your school is with respect to these quasi-student quasi-employee entities that we call student aides. They're probably earning a credit for their service, but they are still students, and therefore they are known to and by at least some of your students, and they're dealing with private records, and especially in English, private thoughts, student writing. You need to determine how much of your students' work you are willing to trust to your aides that they're going to see and that they're going to be familiar with. So first, I would suggest that you have as your aide only students whom you have already had in class and whom you do not anticipate having again as students in the future. In other words, they become your aide once they have graduated from student status. And I really like that delineation of relationship between student and aid. Next, you should consider how many aids you should have. Never more than one in any given class period. <laughs> um, no matter their intentions and your trust, when you have two aides in your class, they are probably going to be distracted by one another far more easily. I want my aides to be on task, slaving through the mountain of work I have for them and helping me keep an eye on my students rather than being social, having a fun period with a friend. Whether you need more than one aid at all, 
is dictated by the amount of paperwork and student aid delegatable assignments that you have. I generally had two, occasionally three aides, and they worked pretty much the entire period every day. Don't have more aides than you have supply of work to keep them busy. They both need to feel needed and they need to do the things that you assign to them. That of course begs the question, and what do you assign to them? My system was that my aides always filed all of my student papers. It took me a year or two to realize handing student papers back to the children in person was neither efficient nor desirable. Instead, I had a file folder, hanging files at the back of my room. Each student had a folder for him or herself. And when I returned papers, I simply stuck them in those folders. They were then the property of the student. They could fish them out whenever. Filing the papers, always the task of my aides. So any papers to be filed, I would have paper clipped and sitting upon the basket designated by period that those papers belonged in. Backtracking. So how did papers get graded and then be weighted to be filed? So I would have my aides grade anything they could grade without having to read it carefully. That included vocabulary exercises, that included um, journal responses or free writes where the quantity of what was written mattered, but not really the quality or the correctness of what was written. All of the grading of writing itself, especially in my AP Comp class, I assigned to myself. So student aides would have a key for say the multiple choice section on a Spanish exam or the worksheet that the kids did for vocab and they would grade homework frequently. They would also record those scores, never in the actual grade book. So I'm assuming that your grade book is computer grade book, almost all of them are nowadays, only the teacher should ever touch the computer gradebook, but the printed out gradebook, just a blank list of the students and then the assignments with the scores right inable by hand, I had a packet of that every week. So one sheet per period of all of my students, aides would take the assignments, write the assignment name at the top, record the scores, paperclip those, and then file them. I only ever trusted a few aides with any kind of critical thinking grading tasks. Now granted I had AP Comp graduates grading freshman English assignments. Even then I was very careful about what I wanted my aides to give an evaluation of as far as writing went. But a huge majority of the student work that is turned in is for the student's benefit. They, they benefited by the doing of it. All I need to do is verify that it was done. And an aide can do that just as well as I can. 
That is particularly true in Spanish class. So in my Spanish classes, every single day, every student has a blank sheet of paper at the beginning of the period and a full sheet of paper at the end of the period. That paper is filled up with exercises, with sentences off the board, with dialogues scripted with a partner, with all kinds of random things that sometimes I would make up as I went, sometimes I would script carefully in advance. But once those papers were turned in and my aides verified that they were done, which you can do simply by comparing each of those papers with a master, a good student's paper, those papers were tossed. I never even bothered to hand them back. And aides made all of that flow easily and smoothly. The final question is whom you should have as your aide. This is something that I mastered, I say with all due humility. Most teachers are saddled with aides. Students who don't want to take an actual class, they need to fill a period, they run around to teachers that they like, asking if they can be their aide. But their goal is not to be a slave laborer, their goal is exactly the opposite, to do less work than they would have to do in a class. My needs were very different from that. I needed a student who would be there every day, reliably, punctually, and dutifully, to work through the mountain of papers that continually flowed through my inboxes. So I would not have volunteers. I would ask students to be my aide. I would request that from them. Generally halfway through their junior year in my AP comp class, I would ask two or three select students, would you be willing to be my aide next year? That became increasingly easy as my reputation was established. I always treated my aides well. That means I gave them gifts. I wrote them cards. I appreciated them. Generally, they are students with whom I had a strong relationship as my students, and they understood how important it was to do the job of an aide well. They made my life possible and I deeply appreciated their efforts. It was a very symbiotic relationship. So my closing thoughts to sum up on student aides, they are invaluable, but you need to be selective with who is your aide, with when they are your aide, and with what you assign them. That gets easier as you go. Perhaps, like me, you will find very little benefit in an aid the first year because you don't know exactly what needs to happen in your room and having an aid there is more of a hindrance than a help. But as time goes along, you too will come to appreciate the wonderful gift of a competent, reliable student aid.